0: Skype and This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen. And this week on the podcast, I'm actually bringing y'all a Patreon episode where I do my best, do my very best, to unpack a little bit of this abortion pill case, this lawsuit that is sitting on the desk of the most powerful Matthew in the land— and you'll know why that is very soon. And just to be clear on Patreon episodes, I'm a bit I'm a bit looser. These are extra episodes on top of the regular episodes that you all hear every Tuesday. So, I do my very best with the bandwidth that I have to look at what is happening, but I wanted to bring this conversation To all 'all y'all unladies, non-patrons, because it's extremely important. Some experts are saying that this will have a farther reaching effect in terms of reproductive rights and access than Dobbs v. Jackson. I know it's unpleasant. And next week, I'll go ahead and tell you, we're going to talk about pole dancing. But this week, we got to eat some vegetables. And we got to meet a man in Amarillo, Texas, named Matthew, who has way too much power. Right now, the fate of medication abortion in the United States is currently up to an ultra-conservative dude in Texas named Matthew. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the state of play right now. Um, this guy named Matthew, Matthew, Judge Matthew J. Kaksmarek, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, Kaksmarek. Um. He is someone whom Vox senior reporter Ian Milheiser described on Twitter last night as the evilest man in America nobody's heard of. I've also seen him described as Trump's worst judge, if you can believe. And right now on Matthew's desk is a case that could mean a nationwide mifepristone ban as in all 50 states, regardless of their respective abortion laws and legalities, Mifepristone banned, okay? And just to set up the stakes of everything happening right now, the the power, the power that this one man in Amarillo, Texas is currently wielding, which we will get into a little bit later, a MedPage Today column described this as the most consequential and controversial attack on reproductive rights since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And it should also be noted that uh, Judge Kazmarek was the first judge to continue decimating abortion rights and access in the United States post- Dobbs v. Jackson in When Was This? In December, the Texas Tribune reports, Mark ruled that Title X, a federal program that provides free confidential contraception to anyone, regardless of age, income, or immigration status, violates parents' rights and state federal law. And the big implication for this was teens not being able to access birth control without parental consent. I believe that his ruling was overturned, but this guy fucking hates abortion. He really hates abortion. And he is on record as hating abortion and all sorts of other things Like right now. Reproductive rights, orgs and abortion clinics across the country are bracing for impact since this guy is like it would be shocking if he did not rule in favor of a mifepristone ban. Even if that happens, however, it is important that everyone knows, uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, medication abortion is still possible with only misoprostol, but the mifepristone-misoprostol combination is considered the gold standard for medication abortion. So when we hear stats like 54% of abortions in the U.S. are medication abortions, we're talking usually about the mifepristone-misoprostol Combination. And the impact, though, of this cruel, cruel potential ban goes beyond medication abortion, too. Like mifepristone is also used for ectopic pregnancies, miscarriage, even progesterone dependent cancers including certain types of breast cancer. Um, The decision, like I said, it is expected any day, any moment, and I am in a full body clench, okay? So what exactly are we clenching for? Here are the nuts, and I mean nuts and bolts of what is happening, what this case is, and just really breaking down, like, the who, what, when, where, why of what we know so far. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... So what are we talking about? What is this lawsuit? Maybe you have seen, like I had in the past few months, headlines here and there about, oh, medication abortion is now in court. But it's an unhinged lawsuit, so we'll see. But per Ms. Magazine reporting, the lawsuit claims that the FDA did not have sufficient proof of mifepristone's safety. And that the FDA unlawfully fast-tracked its approval. Despite the fact, y'all, mifepristone is incredibly safe. We've known mifepristone is very safe. It has been in standard use for more than 20 years in the United States and even longer abroad, okay? they want to they want they want to retcon back to 2000 and say actually you know what um 23 years ago that was that was really not a good idea uh they're also challenging updates to the approval basically expanded access that happened in 2016 2019 and more recently in December 2021 when the agency began allowing doctors to mail abortion pills to their patients the FDA in response said quote the public interest would be dramatically harmed by effectively withdrawing from the marketplace a safe and effective drug that has lawfully been on the market for 22 years y'all mifepristone is safer than tylenol This medication that is allegedly, oh, it was really fast-tracked 23 years ago, and people have just, like, too much access to it, it's safer than fucking Tylenol, okay? But wait, but wait. There's even more. There's even more in this cockamamie lawsuit that stands a very strong chance of being successful, although... This aspect of it is a little bit more up in the air, but y'all, uh, I, I don't trust Judge Casemarck as far as I can throw him. And he is a fully grown man, so, you know, the best I could do is really just kind of push him over. What this lawsuit wants to do, what this lawsuit is also asking Judge Casemarck to do is to reinstate the Comstock laws. If that rings a bell, we have talked about the Comstock laws off and on throughout the the lifespan of Unladylike, going all the way back even into the Stuff Mom Never Told You days, because the Comstock laws were enacted in 1873— and the Comstock law banned sending obscene literature, contraceptives, abortifacients, and any sexual information through the US mail. Okay? And Carrie N. Baker at Ms. Magazine reported that. Congress removed the language concerning contraception in 1971, but left the part of the law criminalizing mailing abortifacients and information about abortion. Come on, 1971 Congress. Why did you do that? (laughs) Carrie Baker goes on, before Roe v. Wade, federal courts ruled this part of the law applied only to unlawful abortions. After the Roe decision, the Comstock Law remained on the books but was not enforced. Now that the Supreme Court has reversed Roe, the organization bringing this lawsuit hopes to bring the Comstock Laws back into effect. We want to go back, they say. To 1873, when we just wanted to shut down any form of sex education, birth control information, like old Margaret Sanger herself, problematic founder of Planned Parenthood, like was arrested on the basis of uh, for violating the Comstock laws for mailing out information about birth control. It's... (sighs) It is it is heavy sigh. It is heaviest of size for sure. So who are the plaintiffs? Who are the people suing the FDA? Well, I just have to, I just have to read you the the official list of plaintiffs in this case. Okay, we've got the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine. To which I say it should be the Alliance for Hypocritical Medicine, am I right? The Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, great, the American College of Pediatricians, okay. The Christian Medical and Dental Associations, and then we've got one, two, three, four, four. Five doctors, individual doctors who are named. Sean Jester. Talk about a fucking Jester flop. Sean Jester on behalf of himself and his patients. Regina Frost Clark on behalf of herself and her patients. Tyler Johnson on behalf of himself and his patients. And finally, George Delgado on behalf of himself and his plaintiffs. Okay, so we have this all of these organizations of super religious and anti-abortion physicians, as well as these named plaintiffs. And I was really curious, like, okay, who who are these individual doctors who are putting their names on this lawsuit? Well, Sean, Sean Jesterflop, is a white OBGYN osteopath in Texas who has a very mediocre rating on Google. I will say that. He's got about uh, two and a half, three stars out of five. And his practice name is Covenant. Okay? Yeah. No, that... uh, I I went on the website and read the About Us to see if... Oh, are they going to say, like, this is, like, a Christian doctor's office. No. Um, But Covenant, I think it's like Covenant Health. Covenant says it all. It's very, very Old Testament. Tyler Johnson appears to be a white emergency medical physician who is running for office in Indiana, who hates abortion, and he is running on that. Now, I say he appears to be the Tyler Johnson of Indiana, uh, cause there was another Tyler Johnson, um, who was not an OBGYN and did not seem to have as, 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 <laughs> didn't, didn't seem to have any public views on abortion. It has to be this guy who, last summer, testified in the Indiana State House that he would like to see, quote, appropriate criminal penalties for willfully and unnecessarily taking the life of an unborn child. Classic anti-abortion rhetoric. Then this, a Democrat, Senator Greg Taylor, questioned Johnson on if he would support requiring women to carry a pregnancy to term and give birth, even if fatal fetal anomalies existed for the child. Johnson's answer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you are some emergency physician um, who hates women? Cool. Because that's fucking bananas. My dude. George Delgado is a family practitioner in California who has received all sorts of awards for his pro-lifery. And his pro-life claim to fame is that he published the first peer-reviewed study on reversing the effects of a medication abortion. Um, so, oh, oh, oh. And finally, finally, Regina. There's Regina. Regina, y'all. It was a real curveball. Regina was, (laughs) Regina was not, not the MD I was expecting when I Googled and found that Regina, what's your last name? Regina Frost Clark is a black OBGYN in Michigan who has glowing five star Google reviews. Not to say that pro life doctors cannot also have very happy patients. Okay. But I was surprised to see that, and Regina also didn't have—she uh, appears to work for a—I think it's a Catholic medical practice called Ascension, Covenant, Ascension. Like, oh, God. I mean, these—the names of the, the practices really say a lot in and of themselves, but— um, but I, I was just curious to see who who these plaintiffs are. And yeah, it's exactly who you'd expect and one person who you might might not expect at all. But the most important name in here is the organization representing this whole group of plaintiffs, and that is the Alliance Defending Freedom, or ADF. And I want to do some follow-up research following the ADF money, because the ADF is all over the place. Like, they are constantly funding and representing these anti-abortion cases. They are an organization designed explicitly to do that. And if memory serves, the ADF is also behind a number of lawsuits attempting to ban trans student athletes from sports participation. Who is funding this? Like, where is all of this right-wing money coming from, and how is it all getting funneled through? (sighs) I am mystified at how omnipresent the Alliance Defending Freedom seems to be. Oh, and get this, get this. I did not realize either that the ADF also represented the state of Mississippi in Dobbs v. Jackson. Like, this organization— Already had a banner year in 2022 because they got Roe and Casey fucking overturned. And now they're over in Texas trying to strip away the primary form of medication abortion in the U.S. Like so much concentrated power in the alliance defending freedom. So that is the what. (laughs) That is the what of and who of this lawsuit. Next up, the when. So this lawsuit was initially filed in November, but... Lawsuits like this, like um, a term that has come up a lot regarding this lawsuit is is judge shopping. So anti-abortion groups have really been in a twist ever since July 2020, when a federal judge lifted the FDA's in-person dispensing requirements for medication abortion. This was in the thick of the pandemic. People obviously were not going to be able to just pop over to an OBGYN. um, And so a federal judge was like, yeah, no, this is fine. Like mifepristone and misoprostol, like this is a very safe medication. So yeah, you don't have to go to your doctor to have them give it to you. You can take it at home. And anti-abortion groups have been really just suing ever since. And now we come to the where. The where. And another who. It's back to Matthew. So the ADF chose to file this lawsuit in the Amarillo Division of the Northern District of Texas because 95% of cases filed in that Amarillo courthouse end up on the desk of one Judge Matthew Kazimerick. And they wanted this to end up on the desk of Judge Matthew Kazimerick because he is anti-abortion, to say the least. Q terrifying headline. This is from a Vox article by Ian Milheiser from December 2022. Headline, How an Obscure Christian Right Activist Became One of the Most Powerful Men in America. Mm -hmm. A rule governing federal courts in Texas turned a former lawyer for the religious right into one of the most powerful people in the United States. And as Ian Millhiser goes on to detail, like um, uh, Kazimerick is a pretty shitty judge, like his legal arguments in the same way that reading Samuel Alito's. Dobbs v. Jackson majority opinion was just so obviously cherry-picked and flawed and feels so legally flimsy, like Kazimerick is cut right from the same judicial robe cloth. He was appointed by Trump and confirmed to a lifetime judgeship. (laughs) He's in his mid-40s, okay? He was confirmed to a lifetime judgeship in 2019. And, you know, it's like, well, how bad can he be? Just because he was, like, appointed by Trump, you know, does that necessarily mean that he is a total piece of shit? Yes, yes. In a 2015 article, Kazimerick denounced a so-called sexual revolution that began in the 60s and 70s, which, quote, sought public affirmation of the lie that the human person is an autonomous blob of silly putty unconstrained by nature or biology, and that marriage, sexuality, gender identity, and even the unborn child must yield to the erotic desires of liberated adults. So he's fun. Um, Yeah, he's... He's a really fun guy. And the the cherry on top of this shit sandwich is that now that Kazimerick is in his lifetime judgeship in Amarillo, it is now possible for really any arch-conservative group to file their lawsuit, their legal complaint— in his district, and basically have a guarantee that Kazimerick will decide it. And based on Kazimerick's record, they will get the decision that they want. This is fucked, y'all. This is so fucked up already abortion advocates and even you know representatives senators are already saying hey Merrick Garland this shit is about to go down with Mifepristone so please please the DOJ has got to sue please please the DOJ has got to appeal this and fast but the thing is y'all should Casamiric's decision be appealed <laughs> No worries. No worries for the right, because the case would then go to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, AKA the most conservative circuit court in the land. And should that decision be appealed once again, it is on to the Supreme Court, where Mifepristone has a Tom's chance in Brett Kavanaugh's belly of surviving. All right? And finally, the question we have is why? Why now? Why this? Well, it is, it is very obvious the why. If, you, if you're an anti-abortion activist, it's like, why not? The pathway is cleared for you to demolish abortion rights and access. So just go for it. And here's the thing, like medication abortion is also thrown anti-abortionists for a real loop because they're like, okay, well, we can, you know, we want to shut down the clinics, you know, but the thing is like, oh, well, unfortunately, people can actually have a very safe abortion at home thanks to medication abortion. And again, just to reiterate, misoprostol only abortions are very safe. They're slightly less effective, but very safe and also still very effective. But it makes sense that anti-abortionists are targeting mifepristone because once again, you know, the mifepristone-misoprostol combo is the gold standard. And also in January of this year, the FDA permanently lifted that in-person dispensing requirement and greenlit pharmacies to sell it directly to customers online or in person, which was definitely a win for abortion access. It's also just the way it should be. Again, safer than Tylenol and removing the in person dispensing requirement was definitely good news for abortion clinics because, hello, like they are beyond overwhelmed. Okay. The Trust Women Clinic in Wichita, Kansas, which is in a massive, massive abortion desert since states like all around Kansas. have banned abortion. That clinic is fielding 16,000 calls a day. 16,000 calls a day. When I was initially pulling together my notes for this, I was like, oh, wait, it must have been 16,000 a week. There's no way it was 16,000 a day. So I went back and, like, checked the Ms. Magazine article, and I was like, oh, my God, no, it's 16,000 calls a day. Holy fuck. And a mifepristone ban would wreak even more havoc on clinics because, yes, misoprostol-only medication abortions are still possible. but does involve slightly different regimens and side effects, and the FDA hasn't labeled misoprostol specifically for abortion, which understandably worries doctors in more abortion hostile areas who are freaked out about legal liability. Um, and this circles us back around to the, the question of why. Because I'm like, OK, well, if a doctor doesn't want to give me some, then fine. You, There's telemedicine. There's Plan C, you know, um, just get them via mail. But that is why this lawsuit is also wanting to reinstate the 1873 Comstock laws to gut telemedicine for abortion. Like, they're doing everything that they can to eradicate abortion access and also just to eradicate abortion access with no regard whatsoever these these family loving people have no regard whatsoever for the maternal mortality rate increase that will absolutely result if and when Mifepristone is banned, at least temporarily. And abortion advocates in the articles that I've been reading on this are like, you know, part of the strategy is just to sow more fear, chaos and misinformation because people are going to hear that there's a national ban on medication abortion and think that it is somehow illegal, which it is not, and think it's impossible, which it is not, because again, misoprostal only medication abortion, but it is just removing another major form of access to abortion and also already people are confused and freaked out about the legality or criminality of abortion but there but there's literally not enough time for abortion clinics in States where abortion is legal to just switch over fully to that back to the old school method of well, I shouldn't say old school. I mean, it's still very safe and effective, but switching to only aspiration abortions, which are the kind of abortions that we probably think about when we think about abortion using the, the vacuum, the suction to remove fetal tissue from the uterus. And it takes a lot longer, of course, to to do those and to to treat patients. And patients have to stay there longer, and there are more rules and regulations involved with that. So all of this, all of this is just strategy to, to sow more chaos, harm more people. And it is so obvious, like the why here really is obvious, like the, these people want to ban abortion, whatever the cost, however unsafe, however many babies are forcibly birthed, regardless of whether they will survive outside of the womb or not, regardless of however many pregnant people risk death because we are now living well, we have been, you know, for for a bit now, but we are living. In a country where nationwide access to a medication safer than Tylenol is now going to be determined by one man in Amarillo, Texas. And if that's not fucked up, I don't know what is. And as for what to do, um, you know... Donate to your local clinics, providers, support networks, if you don't already. Remember, Planned Parenthood probably doesn't need your money. Go local. Follow. Shout your abortion. Plan C. Center for Reproductive Rights. Planned Parenthood. They're all, I mean, their social media is tracking all of this. It is like a an awful countdown, like the same week that we were waiting for the Dobbs decision to drop. And that's the thing. Like, not only is there judge shopping going around, but also Kazimerick and the Fifth Circuit, like the judicial system can move as quickly or as slowly as it wants in these situations and every minute that a potential ban is in place clinics and providers have to comply it's like the the, takes me back to my conversation with abortion nurse amy in texas the day that dobbs came down like she was in a room with a patient, and they had to stop. They had to stop intake and send that person home. So that is the current state of abortion. Bad and getting worse, you know. Thank thank God for the activists who are out there doing the work and... The thing is, like, misoprostol, the good, okay, okay, okay. Here, actually, actually, here is some grounding facts. I was about to say good news, but it's really just <laughs> the reality is that misoprostol is actually a little bit cheaper than mifepristone. It is widely available, and I am confident that. Abortion providers and medication abortion providers are already gearing up for the impact of a mifepristone ban. But it's important for us to stay informed, stay aware, and stay activated. It's hard. I know it's hard and it's overwhelming and, and there... And there's just so much awful to go around. But we got to talk about it. And fuck Matthew Kazimerick. All right, and ladies, are you fed up? Are you enraged? Are you crying? Uh, It would be understandable if you were even doing all three. Like I said at the tippy-top of this episode... Judge Kazimerick's decision may have already dropped by the time you're listening to this. Um, and if you have gotten this far through the episode, thank you. Thank you for listening even to the unpleasant news because I know it would be much easier. I, I don't know if you're like me to, to say, you know what, not today, Satan. I'm going to listen to <laughs> a Real Housewives recap. <laughs> but this is the reality that we're faced with. And plugging our ears and covering our eyes isn't going to help anybody. If you would like to support abortion rights, you need to support your local abortion fund. And while this feels incredibly selfish to say, I also need your support. Unladylike needs your support. Please consider becoming an unladylike patron for $5 a month. You get an extra bonus episode every single week. I also publish full-length interviews with many of our featured guests over there. It is really a lifeline for me and this podcast. So if you appreciate independent feminist podcasting and media, go to patreon.com slash unladylike media and join. And I will be forever grateful. As always, I would love to hear from y'all. You can email me at hello at unladylike.co or DM me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. You can also follow Unladylike on TikTok and Twitter at unladylikemedia. Unladylike is a Starburns audio production, created, executive produced, written, and hosted by me, Kristen Conger. Aristotle Acevedo is our senior producer and engineer. Catherine Caligori is our associate producer. And our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Ami Meiko, And Sarah Tudson. Until next week, sixteen thousand calls a day. A podcast network.